Aloha, everyone, and welcome to the Hawaii Shoots podcast called "How Do You Shoot That?" The show about filmmaking and photography here in Hawaii. I'm Brad Watanabe, and this is Jennifer, and I work in marketing communications. Um, I'm here with my friend Brad because I told him I want to learn more about filmmaking, storytelling, the whole gamut. How do you do what you do? How do you shoot that? Um, so today's theme is going to be about lighting, and you know we've talked about a lot of things from storyboarding. We've talked about just kind of more general things on lighting, but I want to know from you what are some of the like top five tips when it comes to like proper lighting for films? Um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm actually a very non-traditional filmmaker, meaning I did not go to film school. I don't know the proper ways to do a lot of things. I don't even know the proper words. I'm glad we're having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and, and realistic, I, you know, I actually have been talking with my team a lot about this recently. Um, because a lot of them did go to film school or TV production school and have some of the vernacular and some of the technique that I never learned in a classroom mm -hmm. setting. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting to kind of compare how we do things mm -hmm. um, and how we understand things relative to what we do. Uh, because I come at it from a very practical sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned with my mom's VHSC camera, there's no manual settings, there's mm -hmm. no none of that. We just shot stuff, whatever we thought was interesting. Um, I never really understood lighting, never understood sound, or really even composition. You know, I just shot, mm -hmm. hoping to get the best things, most interesting, dynamic things I could. That's currently what I'm doing, so that will be helpful. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I just started shooting stuff, Yeah. you know? Um, whereas these guys actually figured out, I want to learn how to do this the right way, went to school and, and learned in a classroom setting with projects and assignments the proper way mm -hmm. to do things. And so I think, I think it's actually interesting, really, really interesting to compare um, how we do things and mm -hmm. why we do things. Mm -hmm. Because I think from a tactical sense, uh, our goal is the same, to create mm -hmm. an interesting, compelling story, but the way that we approach it, um, either in pre-production or during production, is very different. Mm -hmm. So for me, lighting is all about finding the best way to accentuate my subject. Mm -hmm. I don't always know the best way to do that with um, actual lights, mm -hmm. because growing up, I always did it with the sun trying to figure out the best position for a subject to be when the sun is out. If the sun is not out, how do I get them into a place where they're properly exposed so that we can get um, an image that's viewable by somebody? Um, the more I've gotten into filmmaking and production, the more I realized if the light source isn't there naturally, we can add light to mimic what the sun might naturally do. Um, so my favorite way of lighting is actually to not light at all. Mm, okay. Um, if I can get away with it, I'll choose to use what we call practical lights. So lights that are already existing within a scene, like a lamp or a candlelight, mm -hmm. things that you'll see within the frame mm -hmm. or just outside a frame to help light the, the scene. Are there better times, like, okay, so when I was well, I still am. When I was really into photography, they were like, you know, you either shoot really early morning or like, you know, d 
dusk-ish, you know, um, midday horrible shadows mm -hmm. on your face. Is that similar to filmmaking? Yeah, very, very similar. I mean, so because my primary source is going to be the sun, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll try to get a, a sun, uh, an idea of where the sun will be at the given point where I want to shoot. So in the morning, you'll get some really nice light. And the afternoon, like around golden hour, you'll get similar in light because what you can do is be because the sun is actually lower on the horizon, you can position your subject um, either away from it or towards it so that you can actually shape your character with that light. When it's above you, you can't really do much with mm -hmm. it. And it creates, like you said, those weird shadows under the chin, under the eyeballs, and it mm -hmm. creates a very flat, unflattering image. Mm -hmm. um, but with, with that very directional light, when mm -hmm. it's coming from a particular direction, you can shape how your subject or your landscape looks a lot better. So that's why a lot of people tend to use that kind of lighting. Um, we call that golden hour, like what right after the sunset, or like the hour be um, before the sun sets. Okay. Um, or in the morning. What time in the morning, like 5 a.m.? Just before the sun rises mm -hmm. till about, I don't know if there's an actual time, it depends on what time the sun actually rises, right, but right. till about maybe an hour or two hours after that, so you usually get window. some nice, yeah, you'll get some nice light. Okay. Um, so planning that time out is actually really, really helpful. So a lot of people tend to shoot golden hour, either dusk or dawn. Okay. Um, but there's another time of day called blue hour. Ooh. So it's after the sun sets, after some of that magical glow goes away, you see this actual, like this magical blue sky. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not quite pitch dark yet. Mm -hmm. Just before that, it gets really nice. Mm -hmm and you get a very different kind of sky and light. So you'll notice that in films, they, they tend to utilize that blue light mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so it's not completely pitch black and you actually get some texture still in the sky. Cool. It's really a fun time to shoot. But again, you're racing against time because can't control that sunlight. Yeah, I remember when I followed you on a shoot and we were just like booking it and I was like, how does Brad walk so fast? But yet like has his camera still like, Sweating, running. Oh, okay. Well, good yeah. to know. So that's, I think that's the first tip is understanding the sun mm -hmm. um, because that's going to be your best resource mm -hmm. for, for that. Um, second tip is to actually, if, if you're shooting in a location, mm -hmm. like in a building, in an office, in a whatever, mm -hmm. you, you have to look at the color of your light first. Okay. Um, typically, you have warmer tones, mm -hmm. like, like candlelight or incandescent bulbs. You know, it's going to be warmer, more orangey. Mm -hmm. We call it tungsten. Mm -hmm. uh, or whiter or cooler light. Mm. So a lot of the LEDs are kind of in that bluer tone. Um, it's rated in a scale of Kelvin. So 3200 is your warmer tones. And then 5500, 5600 is about what the sun kind of emits. Mm. So those kinds of whiter, blue, you know, cooler lights are trying to mimic the light that the sun um, outputs. Mm. So you'll see sometimes in a scene people try to fill their room with that kind of light so it mimics what daylight actually looks like to mimic sunlight. So actually noticing the color temperature mm -hmm. of your light when you first walk into a scene is super important and you identify if there's like we we're just on location a couple of days ago and within the same room you have kind of those warmer lights and the cooler lights. Mm -hmm. So you have to be aware of which ones are aware because it'll affect your skin tones. Mm. It'll affect your subjects and start to give you a kind of um, 
uh, unbalanced color mm -hmm. temperature throughout your scene. How does it work when like, say you have a multiple day shoot and then like you have to shoot several scenes again maybe? Like how do you, do you just go back during the same time to make sure the color is just more consistent or how does it work? Yeah, I mean as much as possible you try to keep your timing consistent. If not, you have to add a bunch of other lights to help manufacture that same look. Mm. Um, so one of the hardest things in in production here in Hawaii and probably elsewhere is we have a lot of clouds mm -hmm. that race through mm -hmm. through our skies very very quickly and so we're constantly trying to find um, times where our light will stay consistent consistently bright or mm -hmm. consistently dim or consistently in shade mm -hmm. um, for an extended period of time so we can create a con like a nice consistent scene otherwise um, you get a lot of like super bright and then super dark and then super bright and then super dark as the clouds kind of come mm -hmm. over and you know past the sun so uh, understanding where the clouds are in position to the sun is another part of um, lighting is w what's going to provide you the most consistent light for the amount of time that you're shooting so say if you're shooting something and there's like the clouds, do you guys just wait for it? Like how do you work with that? You just gotta... You wait. Especially um. if you're doing like time-lapse stuff mm. or any kind of long exposure where your scene needs to stay consistent. So that's the nice thing about still photography. You just take one frame. Uh, so you can, you can wait for um, just like one patch of blue mm. to come through your scene and get that beautiful sky mm -hmm. or, or for video anything for motion, you have to wait until, until God allows it. Yes, 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 right? yep. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Um, another, another tip, uh, a lot of people when they first start out shooting tend to start shooting food because it's one of the experiences that we all enjoy mm -hmm. and we also want to share. Mm -hmm. And people will use um, their iPhone as their primary light mm -hmm. for, for shooting at nighttime or at, you know, at dinner scenes or something. But what will inevitably be happening is the iPhone flash is kind of that cooler mm -hmm. tone. But in, in restaurants, you're usually seeing that warmer tone. Again, so that mix of light mm. tends to make your images look funky. Mm. So you're, you're blasting this really white, cool light on your food, but your ambiance, your surrounding scenes are all orange. So it makes for we call mixed lighting scenario and it just doesn't look appealing. So how do we make our food videos better? So what one thing that I like to do is actually try not to use light if at all possible. So say if I'm at Roy's and mm -hmm. I see the souffle and I'm like videoing it, do I then just edit and post to put more lighting in or how does like if you're working with something like your phone, yeah. Um do your best to not use your iPhone light if mm. if there's that warm light. Um, or what you can do is try to use it as a backlight. So it, it acts as like a, um, a light that comes from behind your food. Mm. Uh, it, it's a sexier way to shoot any kind of subject mm -hmm. because it creates this nice rim around um, your subject, but it also um, separates it from the background a little bit, giving your image some depth or your video some depth. Okay. And it creates a nice opportunity to like little lens flares um, and you can shoot into your food a little better and people forgive it because they see some of that backlight. Mm, I see, I see. Yeah. 
Um, or you can take a secondary iPhone and use one of those light apps that allow you to change the color of your screen mm. to the right color, temperature, light. Oh, I never would think of that. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh. So trying to, trying to find what color, temperature, light your surrounding is and mimic that with your phone light. Because I feel like all the restaurants, like, it's all dark. Like, yep. super, super dark. With a little bit of candlelight. Yeah, a little bit of candlelight. Yeah, and I'm like, I want to see the menu. I can't read yep. this. So in those scenes, color balance really, really helps, just mm. understanding that. Okay. Yeah. All right, so we have outdoor tips, indoor tips. Any other tips? Learning to shoot in the shadows, I think, is important as well. What do you mean by that? Can you, like, be yeah. more specific? Because I think shadows are negative, a negative thing. Like, especially when we're first starting out, we think the more light, the better, right? Mm -hmm. More light usually means that your image is exposed um, more evenly, mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily the most dynamic image mm -hmm. because everything is lit up. Mm -hmm. um, so if you look at a person's face, there's so many different um, bumps and curves mm -hmm. to it. And so being able to light it from like the side gives you a different dynamic than if you're lighting it just from the front. Because then you don't see the contours of the nose or the lips or the eyes in the same way. I'm really glad Those this is audio so that people aren't looking at our faces. Uh, <laughs> but, but the shadows yeah. are where we find the information. Right. Because without the negative, you don't see the positive. Right. Right. So understanding the shadows is, is where you start to see how the, the light actually affects your image. Um, and we we're always shooting in some kind of shadowy space. So understanding how to shoot when there's limited light um, is something that I've learned to kind of embrace. Mm, okay. What we, what we often end up doing is putting a subject, like a person, under like a tree mm -hmm. so that they're not like blasted with light. I guess it was kind of like the video when you were helping us shoot for the National EV Week where right on Greg and you didn't want to be in the main light. Yeah. Makes sense. And so understanding that there's a couple of different layers of exposure we take into account, what's in the shadow and then what's um, outside of that shadow, like the sky or the other trees mm -hmm. or the other um, parts of the subject. Mm -hmm. um, but learning about shadows, I think, is probably one of the, the things that I've enjoyed exploring the most within mm -hmm. the last year. Okay. So I guess it's not so much a tip, but I guess a question like, you know, are there any, like, you know, YouTube outlets that do lighting really well? I don't know. Hmm. I mean, there's a couple of YouTube shows that I love. Um, one is called Film Riot, and they do a lot of sketch. They started off in, like, sketch comedy. Not, not your typical, like, talking to camera, telling jokes kind of thing, but they would do little skits to show certain either visual effects tips or camera tips or audio tutorials or they would actually take a really creative approach to teaching filmmaking in a practical way. Oh cool. Um, and so they would do tips on how to do lighting on a budget using like things from around your house or from Home Depot rather than spending 500 bucks on a nice can light or whatever it is. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And they would have some really great tips. So I really love what Ryan Connolly is doing with Film Riot. Nice. Um, nice. And that's just grown over the last five, six years that he's been, he's been doing it. Um, so that's that's actually a great resource. Okay. Um, there's also another guy. Um, his name is M. He's in San Francisco, and he has something called Cheesy Cam. Um, love the name, and and the whole premise of his site is actually to 
help filmmakers in that DIY space hack um, the technology of like cameras and audio and lighting in the same way, um, but from, from more of a tutorial sense. And he does a lot of gear reviews and a lot of tech things where he shows some of the more budget tools out there. There's a lot of great sites that talk about the high-end filmmaking gear. If people can afford that, but more people can't. Yes, you know? absolutely. You know, I, I'm in that realm. <laughs> I mean, when, when I first started uh, with my first DSLR, I was on Cheesy Cam site all the time looking for tips. So that's another great site, cheesycam.com. Cool. Um, but there's a lot of people out there giving away great tutorial information to help us become better filmmakers. And those are two that I always go to. Nice. So that's like, what, four tips? Last tip. Last tip? Yeah, for lighting. Um, so getting back to kind of the food thing, if you have a little bit of money, um, I know some people carry like a little pocket LED light so you're not just using your phone. Mm, um, I know some food bloggers locally who, who kind of use some of that technology. But what I would recommend, especially for food bloggers and the like, is to get an LED light that is variable color temperatures. So we have some LED lights that'll go from that warm tone to that cool tone. Mm -hmm. And so whatever environment you're in, you can still utilize that light. Most LED light, like some of the, most of the more budget LED lights that you can purchase come in a single color, kind of like the iPhone flash that mm -hmm. everybody uses. It's mm -hmm. that cooler light. But like I said, being able to utilize it in warm environments is, is a must for food photographers. So having a variable temperature LED panel is super helpful. Okay, good to know. We use that all the time, um, whether it's just as an accent light for like something on a bookshelf or as a little hair light to blast some rim light over somebody's head. And, and they make great little tools for the professional side of things, but also just for every day. It's just nice to have a nice variable color temperature LED light. Small, battery powered, kind of goes everywhere. Is it solar powered? I'm just kidding. Nope. <laughs> I'm I, sure that's coming. I hope so. I hope so. So I want to know, is there any lighting tool that you can't live without? Or like even like, I don't know, an app or something that you think this is your... Mm -hmm. It's funny. We go on set all the time and I always have my phone out playing with something. But one of the apps that I have been using a lot called SunRoute. SunRoute. So it's a free app um, and it'll give you the position of the sun at any time of day. That's great. Yeah. So we're, we're constantly looking for where the sun will be because we need to predict where we need to be in the next two hours or three hours to get the best lighting possible. So this will tell us when our sun is going to set. It'll give us the direction of where the sun is going to be setting because it doesn't set like right in front of you. It'll kind of start to go at an angle. And obviously throughout the year it changes position. So this will give you a pretty close idea of where the sun is going to go. Is it going to go behind the tree or behind the mountain or will it drop right in front of you in, in the ocean? Really great little tool that I've been using a lot lately. And what was I, the app called one more time just because I'm yep, like Dory. It's I called Sun Route. Sun Route. Okay, got it. There, there's a bunch of other great sun apps out there. I think Sun Seeker is one. Um, 
but there's a lot of sun tracking uh, apps that, that you can use to, to get this get similar information, but I love this one because it's free. We all like free. We all love free. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's another app that I've used for the opposite reason, um, which is called Skyview. Skyview, okay. So Skyview is the opposite. It'll give you the position of the constellations and more importantly for a lot of the still photographers out, still photographers out there, the, the Milky Way. So it'll give you the position of where the Milky Way is so you can find that spot on the island. If it's below the horizon, then you know you're not going to get it. If it's above, um, where it's going to be, if it's going to be behind, be behind the koalaus or um, where, wherever you need it to be, um, it's, it's really helpful to find uh, where you want to shoot the best um, time lapses or night photography. That's very cool. So I love those. Um, and lastly, there's an app called Dark Sky, which I've used for, for a while. And it gives us some satellite positioning of clouds. So we were on Maui shooting a time-lapse project, and where we were, it was rainy, but we saw that on the other side of the island, it was sunny. Mm. So we were able to quickly dart out there, get some uh, images, and when you noticed the other side of the island was clear, we went back. So you obviously can't get um, Doppler readouts on your phone at any time of day, but I think this is a, a nice, uh, alternative for I think it's like three bucks or something. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so to recap the apps because there were three of them. Yep. You've got Sunroute, Night, um, something. Skyview. Skyview. <laughs> and then what else? Dark Sky. Dark Sky. I don't know why. I yeah. All so right. you'll notice they all have to do with the atmosphere or, you know, what the the elements that we mm -hmm. can't control are. Because we, we can't do anything to control them. All we can do is observe and try to prevent or be proactive about being in the right places. So those are tools we use all the time when we're shooting. Very cool. Well, good to know. Do you have any other last-minute tips? Anything else that, like, you know, for us noobs starting out, what else we should use? I think what I've been learning a lot more lately is that it's not as much about trying to find how to light a subject mm -hmm. as much as it is about trying to find the best place for a subject to naturally um, be in its ideal light setting. And, and whatever that is or wherever that is, if we can't control it, then trying to find the best way to make the most beautiful image possible with the existing light. That's like one of my favorite exercises. Mm. Just to walk into a space with little light, with a lot of light, and see how we can make that, embellish that to, to make a more beautiful image. My buddy Mauna, we did a lighting workshop earlier this year. And so one of the, the quick demos that we always do, and just to give people an idea of what light does, is you take your iPhone or any or even a flashlight mm -hmm. and you just light yourself, light your face up. Just put it like on top of your head. You put it in the front of your face, you put it on the side mm -hmm. of your head, you put it in the back of your head or underneath your chin, and you see how it affects the subject. Um, it'll change the the way the subject is perceived. Everyone knows that if you put a flashlight under your chin, it gives you like that scary look, mm -hmm. right? Um, why is that? You kind of like, 
it darkens out your eyes. It makes you look really uh, intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, versus it being on the side or kind of like three-quarter angle where it's like a really nice flattering light mm -hmm. because it highlights all your features. But just going through that exercise of seeing how light affects faces or subjects is a really simple way to start to understand how to utilize light and how, whether it's the sun or an amazing um, Fresnel light, how it'll affect your subject. You know, just understanding the principles with some of these basic practices, I think is a really great way to start to understand how lighting affects your scene. So we get asked a lot, like, what are some cheap alternatives for mm -hmm. lighting? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, some of the lights we use cost, you know, a couple hundred bucks mm -hmm. to a couple thousand bucks. It depends on, you know, the scene that we're trying to light up. But there are great practical ways to create some really nice lights okay. uh, on a budget. So we, uh, there are some lights that you can get at Home Depot. They have those uh, halogen lights that, you know those work lights yes. that construction guys will use? Yeah. Those are a great light source. They're really bright. Um, they can emit a pretty nice light. And they're like 15 bucks, maybe 20 oh, bucks. That's very affordable. Super affordable um, and available at any hardware store. So it's a nice way to get a bright light mm -hmm. that you can start to play with. Um, you can also start to get some pretty cheap LED, like strips from Radio Shack. Wait, are they still around? No, I got mine from Radio Shack before they closed. We would do City Mill, promote local. City Mill. Um, but I, I don't know if I've seen the LED strips oh. there. I just know that, that I've seen them there. Um, there are some great LED panels that you can get from places like City Mill that are really cost-effective solutions. They're, they're not built into like a photography or a video um, casing like it's it's just not how how you might find it on a, on a video set but it'll give you a similar um, output uh, of, of light so just checking out your local hardware store like a city mail or ace can be a great um, first step to finding some DIY or cheap alternatives to some of the more expensive branded light kits that you'll find uh, online I like that. Okay, so so these have been really great tips. I love everything you've shared with us so far. But like you know, somebody like me, you know, all are on a budget. If you had a hundred bucks, how would you use that towards lighting? What would, be, what would you grab? So if we're looking at somebody trying to light up a video set, it's very different than if you're trying to light a portrait of a person. So I would I would look at what what your goal is first, but. I would typically start off by buying a $15 light kit from Home Depot because it, uh, it, it gives you a nice warm um, halogen light that you can use to light up an entire room. I've seen them recently at Costco, an LED version of that. Oh. So you can also get that alternative which is still really, really bright and still cost effective. So if you get the $15 one from Home Depot, you have, what is that, 85 bucks left. Um, I, I know that Pro Camera Hawaii carries some LED light fixtures now. So I would check with Tony to see what they have in stock. I know they carry some of the Manfrotto stuff, which is not the cheapest brand out there. So if you can't find locally, I mean, I'm, I, I love scouring Craigslist to see what other people have on island because you can get some great deals. I've gotten some amazing deals on lights locally. But if not, then I would jump on Amazon and find a bicolor 
LED panel. Just a small one to kind of get you started. They've got great lights for like 50 to $70 that you can get that'll be very, very helpful to, to starting your lighting kit. So if we have that $15 light, if we have another $70 um, LED panel, I think the last thing I would get is a reflector. What's a reflector? So a reflector, think of, um, you know, on your windshield, you have those, those like circular discs that you'll mm -hmm. use to like block out the sun off right. of your windshield. Right. So the reflector is, is similar in technology where it's this big disc. Uh, one side will typically have, or within the dish, sometimes you'll have like a, a white um, translucent piece of fabric, mm -hmm. we call it silk. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it allows light to pass through mm -hmm. so that you can uh, reduce the amount of light hitting your subject. Oh. So one, it diffuses the light coming through. Mm -hmm. It'll also have a cover. On one side it's black, on another side it's gold. And then, um, so when you wrap that, that translucent thing, it'll create one side that's black, so that creates what's called a negative light source. So if you have a lot of light source coming through, sometimes you wanna block other light from mm -hmm. bouncing back on your subject. So you use the black side. Mm -hmm. um, the gold side is if you want to reflect kind of a warmer, that tungsten-y kind of look. It can, it, it's, it's kind of hard to use that gold light really, really well, but typically on, like it'll also flip inside out and you'll have a silver side mm -hmm. and a white side. And you, you can use the white side or the silver side to reflect your sun, your, your light source. So it's when you're outdoors, you can actually use the sun mm -hmm. as well as the reflector as two different light sources. So if your oh. subject is in the middle, the sun is lighting up one side, the reflector is bouncing that light onto another side. You can get a pretty cheap reflector for about 15 bucks. So I think those three items would be great ways to start with a light kit. That's great. And I think that people, especially when you're first getting started, tend not to Think of the reflector as a light source because it's not a powered light source, but it's a great way to reflect light. It's, it's something that we have on every, every set because um, we always are using the sun. You guys light. heard it first. These are the top three. Yeah, very cool. Very cool, very cool. Well, hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, I would have no idea what to get, so I'm glad that, you know, you know if I can spend my $100, I know exactly what I want to buy. Sweet. Cool. So I guess that wraps us up for this episode of the Hoy Shoots podcast. Uh, if you want more, we've definitely got a lot more coming up. Make sure you check us out on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and on YouTube here. So make sure you check us out. Uh, until next time, if you want to follow me, I am at Brad Watanabe. And I'm at J. Lou. And we will see you next time. Aloha. Aloha. Thank you.